0: Welcome to the podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Greenwood, Mississippi. We are a community of Christians that exists to make disciples of Jesus Christ and influence the Delta for the glory of God. More information about Westminster can be found at www.wpcgreenwood.org. That was good. Richard had the tough job today. I got the easy one. Um, So we're going to be... In Luke chapter 22 uh, verses 54 through 62 and we know that Jesus he's coming up on the tail end of his earthly ministry his life and he's he's about to go to trial and be put to death on the cross but before we get there we're gonna see something today that's it's very sad we're going to get some warning here as we read of Peter and his denial, but it's also hopeful, or it's hope filled. Um, and so I hope you get that both today the warning, but also the encouragement and the hope that we see here. So let's read uh, Luke 22, verses 54 uh, through 62. Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And after an interval of about an hour, still, uh, wait and, about, and after an interval of about an hour, still another insisted, saying, "Certainly this man also is with him, for he too is a Galilean." But Peter said, "Man, I do not know what you are talking about." And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord. How he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Let's pray. Lord, please help us. Um, As we'll see in our passage, we, we can't do anything apart from you. No matter how strong we think we are we can't. Um, We can't even hear this this word today. We can't change ourselves today. We need your spirit to work in us. We need you to help us to hear your word, and we need you to change us from the inside. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so we see in our passage, the main point today is that Peter... In his weakness, he denies the Lord. We see that Peter, in his weakness, denies the Lord. And so, the first thing we want to look at is we want to just trace his steps. We we want to trace Peter's steps so that we can watch our own steps. Okay. Um, so first, let's trace his steps and watch our own in the process. Peter's denial; it was not something that just came out of nowhere. Right? It's easy as we're reading through the Gospels just to think that it just, it just happened all of a sudden because, you know, we, we're a paragraph from where we were last week, but uh, it, it's sometimes that, that, that doesn't help us to realize that, that things happen over the course of time, and it might not just be this, this all-of-a-sudden thing, this all-of-a-sudden fall, <clears throat> this, this sudden denial, but if we look back, we can see a breach in the wall of his faith. You know, I, I remember when, when I was a, a child, um, my grandparents had a, had a lake and the dam busted. But it wasn't something that just happened all of a sudden. I mean, we watched water pool up at the bottom of it for, for months, if not years, before there was this great um, uh, loud noise and water rushing through the woods. It didn't all happen at once. A little water leak and eventually weakened the whole wall. You know how one, one little hole in the gas line can cause big problems if it's not fixed. And so we see some holes in Peter's life. First, we see, if we, if we go back in Luke 22, we see the disciples disputing over which one was to be regarded as the greatest. So what do, we see? what do we see in this when they're over there arguing who is the best and who is the greatest in the kingdom? We see pride. Pride. We see pride in the life of these disciples. You know, they felt uh, the self-importance because of the life that they had left to follow Jesus. And they expected him to to overthrow the the Roman Empire and, and, uh, as Richard has said, make Israel great again. I think he said that. Maybe he hadn't said that. Um, But that's what they expected. But Jesus had to set them straight by reminding them that the greatest in the kingdom is one who is a servant of all. And then we follow the story down um, to Luke 22, verses 31 through 34, and we see this pride in Peter leading to self assurance and self sufficiency. Remember when Jesus warned Peter? He said, Satan has demanded to have you and sift you like wheat. And how did Peter respond? Did he respond? Oh, I'm going to go pray. Lord, help me. He, he responded in a rather self sufficient way. He says, I would never leave you, Lord. I'm ready to go both, uh, with you to both prison and to death. <clears throat> so Peter was confident in his ability here. You know, I bet in that moment he really did think that there was nothing that could keep him from following the Lord Jesus Christ. He was sure of himself. <clears throat> But this goes to show that no matter how much confidence you have in yourself to stay the course, it's never enough without divine help, which leads to the third breach in the wall that we see, this this self-sufficiency and this pride. What did it lead to or how did it manifest itself in Peter's life? A lack of prayer. I mean, isn't this the logical conclusion to the root of pride and and self-sufficiency is a lack of prayer? You remember in Luke 22, 39 through 46, when Jesus was having that agonizing prayer session in the Garden of Gethsemane? What were his disciples doing? They were sleeping. They were sleeping. And I'm sure they were tired. (laughs) They wouldn't have been sleeping. But Jesus says, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know, we, don't, we have no indication that they took his advice and every indication to see that they, that they didn't take his advice. And we see the fruit of it as later on the disciples all scatter when Jesus is being tried and crucified. <clears throat> then we see in Peter's life, we see the rancid fruit in full bloom with his denial in our passage today. So first in our passage today, we see that as they were bringing Jesus to the high priest's house and getting ready for his trial and eventual execution, it says that Peter was following him at a distance. Not quite the, the bold Peter that we read about earlier. The one who says, I'll never, I'll never leave you. I'll go with you to death, Jesus. He's, follow, he's following, so I guess we can, you know, somebody may want to give him some credit there. But he's following at a distance as to not be seen. <clears throat> So not the bold Peter that we saw earlier, but following sheepishly here at a distance. And then we see that the people in the courtyard, they make a fire and Peter gathers around. And so there are people there that are from the arresting party of Jesus. And so they're all there warming themselves. And it says that a little servant girl looks intently at him and says, this man was with Jesus. But Peter said, "Woman, I do not know him." So you think about this. I mean, I'm trying. To, I was trying to think of like if Nora Grace or Cecilia or some, you know, if, if they called me out, would I would I be fearful in that moment? Um, maybe so. Probably, you know, I, I get afraid when I'm up here with the the kids at little worship. But but Peter here, <clears throat> Peter here, this bold man, this follower of Christ he hears this little servant, servant girl's voice, and he says, woman, I don't know him. And John Calvin said, Peter, not less courageous than any of us, does not wait till he's dragged before the tribunal, but he's terrified by a little girl's voice, and he immediately denies his master. <clears throat> then we see him confronted by two others on, on uh, two, two other occasions, and he vehemently denies knowing Jesus, knowing who he was or knowing anything about him. So much so that in, in the other gospel accounts, it says that he calls down a curse upon himself if he's lying. Have you all ever heard somebody say that? You may have said it too. If I'm lying, God strike me dead. Don't say that. If you had to say that, you're probably lying. But that's what Peter was saying. He's like, I don't know him. God strike me down if I know him. Think about this. Can you imagine a friend betraying you in that way in, in your darkest hour, saying, I don't know him. I don't know her. What a sad picture. Peter, who saw miracles and walked on water himself at the command of Jesus, I don't know him, he says. Peter, you were on the Mount of Transfiguration, you were there with Jesus and Elijah and Moses. I don't know him, he says. Peter, you were the first to confess that Jesus was the Christ. You know he's the Lord. I don't know him. If I know him, may God strike me down, is what he said. So let me ask, <clears throat> have you ever been there? That's Surely you have. Um, maybe not with your words and in a moment where people are asking, do you know Jesus? Maybe you have been in that situation where you say that you don't. But think of it this way, when presented with the option of sin, when presented with the option of knowingly sinning, have you said in that moment, I don't know him. I don't know him. I want this other thing more than I want him. You know, disciples of Jesus, we're to confess him with our mouths and deny ourselves in a life of obedience. And here we have Peter doing the opposite. He's denying him with his mouth and he's preserving his life. Peter's pride and self-sufficiency had led to prayerlessness and the fear of man. He's afraid of these people I'm not saying that I wouldn't be either, but we need to be reminded here that the fear of man lays a snare. It is a trap. Peter had forgotten that his strength comes from the Lord. We, in our greatest so-called strength, we we will retreat at the sight of a shadow. Calvin also says, he says, when we have thrown off the fear of the Lord, We tremble at mere nothing. And here is Peter. He's thrown away the fear of the Lord and he's afraid of the voice of a little girl and of the accusations or questions of a couple other people. And so we need to ask ourselves, do we see ourselves as weak and needy? Do, Do we realize that there is a devil and there are his He has minions seeking to devour you. And in knowing those things, we have to ask ourselves, do we pray? You know, in the words of J.C. Ryle, he said, I'm not asking you if you say your prayers at night. I'm not asking you if you say the blessing at dinner. Do you pray? He said, men make loud professions of religion while their feelings are warm, as Peter did. And in the hour of trial, they deny the Lord. It is a miserable thing to be a backslider, Ryle says. Of all the unhappy things that can befall a man, I suppose it's the worst thing that can befall a man. A stranded ship, a broken winged eagle, a garden overrun with weeds, a harp without strings, a church church. In ruins, all these things are sad sights. but a backslider is a sadder sight. still. He says it's a taste of hell. It's hell on earth. And so do you see holes in your life where there's compromise? I, I, I had to ask myself this, and the Lord reveals to me, revealed to me areas in my life, small holes, breaches, where, where I'm letting sin in. Ask yourself that. Do you see it? We've got to know that, that letting sin in in that way, it, as many, ha- I've heard many people say this before, it's like having a pet tiger in the home. You know, it's cute. You see the little Instagram video. They're raising tigers and they're, they're feeding them with a milk bottle and it looks cute and you want one. But as the, as the days go by and you start feeding it steak and it gets bigger and bigger, it becomes something that you can't control. A a, a, a apex apex predator that could kill you and your family. And some may think that this is a bit of an extreme example. But we got to think about this. We heard this morning that what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? And so when we think of this comparison of a tiger to sin, it's actually more insane to toy with sin than it is to raise a tiger. It's more insane to toy with sin. Look at the example of Peter. But if this is where you find yourself today, and you hear these words and they cut you to the core, I want to remind you that there's hope. There is hope. Certainly we watch our steps and we see areas in which we have allowed a breach, allow sin to come in. But here's what we're told or here's what we see in the life of Peter and we know that we can do ourselves is we can return to the Lord. He will have you. He will take you in. We see in the text as Peter's making his third denial. While he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. And this is an amazing event in itself because uh, from, the van- you know, from the vantage point of fulfilled prophecy, Jesus said that this was going to happen, and it happened. And as P- uh, Richard shared last week, just to have this story of Peter in the Scriptures is, is a, a testimony that the Scriptures are true. Why in the world would they leave this in here? Peter would surely say, hey guys, take that out. I don't, I don't want you to see this. And so this, this rooster, you know, crowing, this is what Jesus said would happen. He's sovereign over birds, animals. Um, but this is one, you know, this is one more example of the, uh, the Lord's word proving true. The rooster crows just as Jesus said it would happen, but it doesn't say that Peter remembered at that point. He said this is going to happen in the rooster crows, but it doesn't say he remembered at that point. We get a, a, a very important detail. We see that it says that, that the Lord, he turned and he looked at Peter. So Peter remembered the word of the Lord at that moment, how he had said to him before the rooster crows today, you'll deny me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. All three witnesses had sifted Peter, the little girl and the the, the others that had asked him questions. They were sifting Peter and the one that was really behind the sifting was Satan himself. A reminder that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers in high places. You know, Satan didn't come like a villain in a horror movie, but he comes as an angel of light with a question, which is how he often does, a question or a scenario to get us to doubt God's word. God's word. One pebble removed from the wall, one drop of poison in the water ruins the whole thing, right? And he gets Peter to side with him and deny the Lord. James Edwards, he said the last time that Peter called Jesus Lord, he swore undying allegiance. And now this look of the Lord, when the Lord turned to him and looked at him, this look of Jesus convicts Peter of his betrayal. Jesus knows exactly what's going on in Peter's heart in this moment, even if Peter doesn't know what's happening to himself. Peter had all of heaven and earth crying out the glory of God. We know that in in and through God's creation, um, that, that his created things are crying out glory. He had this rooster crowing, reminding him of his betrayal, but it took the transformative look of Jesus Christ to penetrate his heart. You know, we can shrug off the look from any mere human. Peter deflected and denied the looks and charges of the people by the fire, but he stood no chance against the piercing look of Jesus. And so think about, think about that look for a moment. In, in a moment of great distress, where, where Jesus is no doubt suffering uh, you know, physically, emotionally, he, he knows what's coming in that moment of great distress and heartache, one in which he could, Jesus could be laser focused on what's about to come. He takes the time and has the emotional bandwidth to look at Jesus. I mean, to look at Peter and to think of Peter. He's doing this for him, right? This wasn't a snarl It wasn't the look that could kill. This was a look of judgment, but one of pardon as well. It it was a look that was to wound him so that it could bind him up. Jesus had once saved Peter with the reaching out of his hand on the water. And now here he is saving and sustaining Peter with a look, with a glance of his eyes. You know, we know that this is the case. We know that, that Jesus is going to uphold Peter. We know this because he said earlier when Jesus warned Peter that Satan would sift him like wheat, Jesus said, I've prayed for you that your faith would not fail. This is an amazing truth that was for Peter and it's equally true for us if you're a follower of Christ. Jesus is your mediator. He ever lives to make intercession from you. He will never let you go ever. He intercedes for you. But don't let that fact, that reality, short-circuit the warnings that we see, the warnings from earlier, the need for us to fight sin by watching and praying. But let it fuel your love and your devotion Jesus, knowing that he loves you and he cares for you and he is praying for you, he's sustaining you, the one that holds you, he's the one that holds all things together. And so we see the look of Jesus, it sparks repentance in Peter's life and he runs off to weep bitterly. And this is, you know, the beginning stages of repentance are marked by a realization of our sin I'm not saying every time that we repent, we have to weep, but sometimes it will involve that. At the very least, it's a seeing and recognizing of our sin and a hatred and a turning away from our sin. We see that in his response. And then we know what happens, and we're going to get to it in the coming weeks, but, but spoiler alert, we know that Jesus eventually gets tried and convicted and he goes to the cross and he takes Peter's denial and all of Peter's other sins and all of your sins upon himself. And he is crushed under the wrath of God for Peter's denial, for our denial. And we know that he takes the full payment for sin on that cross and then he gives up his life and he's buried and then he rises from the grave for our justification. And so he's, that, that's going to happen. As Peter goes off to, to weep bitterly in his repentance, Jesus is going to go off and be crucified and rise again for it. And then we know in John, we get a great story, um, one that I actually was able to preach through month, months ago, I believe, um, we see that Jesus, at the, at, after he rises from the grave, that Peter goes back out to fishing, and that, that Jesus comes to him and throws him a, a fish fry and meets him on the water in a boat, quite like the time that, uh, or at the beginning of Peter's calling. You know, he takes him back to that spot. He called him when he was fishing, and now he's coming to him as he's fishing. And then he takes him back to a campfire. Same setting in which Peter denied him. And he restores Peter. So in our repentance, um, you know, we, we see G, uh, Peter jumps out of the boat and he runs to Jesus, which is another piece of repentance. So we don't just recognize sin and turn from it in hatred, but we actually turn to someone. We turn to Jesus. And that's what Peter does. He runs to Jesus and Jesus restores him to his ministry and he commissions him to a life of ministry that would eventually end in death. And so where are you today? You know, think about that. What little things have you let in? What enemies have crept in behind the gate? You know, and, and if that's you, which I, it's, it's all of us at some point, would you see Jesus? I'm not, I don't want you to make a, a mental image of me here, but would you see Him looking to you and at you through His Word today? He's coming to you through His Word and He's calling you to return to Him. He's saying, I'll have you. I love you. I died for you. I rose for you. I pray for you. Come to me. Turn away from sin. Turn, turn to me. He says that to all of us. We see at the end of Peter's ministry, if you go read First and 2 Peter, these two letters to the church, a church that was struggling with persecution and fear, and Peter's writing as someone who knows firsthand, firsthand experience. We see him back in the saddle here. He's writing to him and he says, he says this in 1 Peter chapter 5. Just listen to these words that he's telling the church. Remembering Peter's life and where he had come from. He says this to us. He says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he might exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, he will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. And so Peter, speaking as one who has firsthand experience of trial and desertion, and restoration says to us, come to, come to the Lord, return to him, cast your cares on him. He, he cares for you. He loves you. And so in our passage today, we see a sad and sober warning that we must all heed, but we also see the mercy, grace, and hope that is found in the Savior. We've all kissed the Savior like Judas We've all denied the Savior with our words and actions like Peter, but his eye is on us, and he reaches his hand out to us through the preaching of the word and the sacraments, and he bids us all to come to him by faith. Lay hold of him in prayer. Rely not on your own strength. Come to him. Return to him, for he will abundantly pardon. All God's people said, amen. Let's pray. Um, lord thank you for um the reminder that we can come to you that you care for us that you that you love us that you seek to restore us um may all in here who uh, we all struggle with sin in in, in in so many ways help us to turn from sin help us to walk in your ways by the power of your spirit because we can't do it alone Help us to grow in our love for you and for one another. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Hi, Richard Owens here. I just wanted to take a second to say thank you for listening to the podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Church. Our prayer is that the Lord would use this message to encourage you in the gospel and that you would find Jesus to be more beautiful than you ever, ever imagined. If you'd like to find out more about who Jesus is, or more about our church, I invite you to visit our website at wpcgreenwood.org. God bless.